We believe intentionality exists. We are two millennial moms who are the first to admit our imperfections. We are linking arms, opening the conversation about our struggles to find balance. What if there is more to simplicity than just minimalism or the number of items in your cabinet? What if the measuring stick goes beyond the surface of materialism? What if simplicity is found deep within intentionality? Narrowing your focus to what really matters. Pursuing the right things, fleeing the dangerous things, to delight in the finest of things. In a generation saturated with instant gratification, screens, and distracted relationships, simplicity beckons. Hey there, Caroline. We're so excited that you joined us today. How are you guys? Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. You guys doing good? What you got going on? Um, we're doing well. Yeah. Josh actually just left my husband today. He's going to Colorado just for the weekend and I'm 37 weeks pregnant. So I'm a little nervous, hoping I don't go into labor this weekend while he's gone. But, um, as long as I can hold off, which I think I will, cause my other kids came around 40 weeks. So hopefully we can hold off for a bit and he'll get back and then we'll all be home and just, yeah, I've just been working and still somewhat socially distanced here. We live in Virginia. Um, so we're starting to lift our orders, but still, um, a little bit working from home and all that kind of stuff, but overall life is good. Can't complain. I love that. So can you give us a little bit of background on you and your family and like what, what you guys are doing in life right now? Yeah, sure. Um, so my husband and I, we met actually in, I think I was still in middle school and he was in high school. He's a few years older than me. Um, but we met doing speech and debate, homeschool speech and debate um, in Colorado. We both are from Colorado. Um, we didn't start dating until um, my sophomore year of high school, his senior year of high school. And then I followed him to college in New York City. And we got married after my sophomore year of college. So we kind of just expedited the whole marriage thing. Got engaged when I was 19, married when I was 20, and had my first kid right after I turned 22, a month after I turned 22. So we had our son, Winston, five years ago, and um, our daughter, Ella, she's three now. So I have two kids and then one more on the way. After New York, we lived in Cambridge, Massachusetts for three years when my husband was in law school and then moved to Denver for one year and now to Virginia, right outside um, DC. And we've been here since the fall, so not too long, um, but we've been settling in and enjoying the East Coast life yet again. So do you know the, um, the gender of this new baby? We don't actually. So this, we found out with the other two, but now that we have one of each, we thought we'll try the surprise thing and see how that goes. So it's making oh. me a little anxious for birth. I feel like I'm more eager than I, I mean, I'm always eager to give birth, but eager in a different way, I guess, because it's oh my level of excitement. That is so cool. I, I admire people that can do that because I don't think I could. I'm too like, I don't think I could stay strong for the whole 40 weeks. I would, I would break. I know I would. Yeah. It's, it's been a little tough, especially now towards the end, I've been trying to buy clothes and stuff. I mean, just, just at least newborn clothes for the first month or so. Um, and there's so much really cute gendered stuff that I want to buy little dresses or little boy stuff. And it's so hard to find gender neutral stuff that's actually gender neutral and doesn't just look like boy stuff. So how fun that you get to have a tiebreaker. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Both of the kids actually want it to be a girl though. So it's kind of funny. I thought my son would want a boy, but he says he wants it to be a girl so that he doesn't have to listen to the baby cry in his room. So he's really forward thinking on that. 
Yeah. That's Honesty. Good that's good. That is good thinking. Smart <laughs> yeah. kid. Pretty deep for a five-year-old. <laughs> well, I'm so, I'm so excited for you. That it's just, it's a fun time. Like it's, it's fun when you get to those last couple of weeks, but you're also just so ready. So ready to like get yeah. them here and, you know, see what life looks like with my third baby was born in January. So we've had three for, oh my goodness, almost six months now. It's crazy how fast yeah. it Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be, from what I've heard, a lot of people say the transition from two to three is um, harder than the transition from one to two because you run out of hands and that sort of thing. And granted, my two are a little bit older. They're, you know, three and five, so they can both walk and buckle themselves in and, you know, stuff like that. Neither yeah. of them are in diapers, but it'll be interesting to see how the dynamic changes now that we're outnumbered. You, you feel outnumbered, but I don't know. I just feel like any amount after one, really after any, it's just crazy. So it's just like add the crazy, you know, just keep, just yeah. keep it coming. Yep, exactly. That's what my mom said. She had six. So, um, yeah, she said once you have three or especially four, it's like just have six at that point because <laughs> they can start helping you and that sort of thing. So I know that with your, with you and your husband's jobs and stuff that you had going on, you have had to do a lot of traveling, even international traveling. So just coming from the perspective of like living a life that's kind of stripped back to what's most important and like simplifying things, even just for like survival sake, what is something that your experience traveling with young children has taught you to let go of or simplify? Yeah, that's a great question. I think in general, we, um, my husband and I tend to approach parenting pretty, pretty simply. Like we don't have a lot of stuff. We've always lived in around a thousand square feet and we, we don't, you know, have a lot of baby gear and that sort of thing. So I think that kind of coming into it with that mindset made traveling with kids a lot easier. We didn't feel like we had to kind of bring the whole nursery with us, so to speak, because we've never even had a nursery. <laughs> so we, we didn't, um, you know, bring pack and plays with us when we would travel. Usually we'd use, they have these Kidco pea pods, which if you've never heard of them before, they're amazing, especially if you're traveling internationally and your kids are mobile but not yet understanding how to stay in one place they like zip up in these little two pound tents that you can just put in your suitcase so we would use those for um kind of the crib situation when we were traveling we we don't bring a lot of like diapers or clothes i mean i, I like to say there's i've never traveled anywhere um i mean we've traveled a lot of i mean i'm sure there are crazier places but we've been to vietnam thailand india all over europe and we've never been one place that didn't sell diapers or children's clothes so stressing so much about like making sure you have everything isn't necessary because everything that you need is going to be sold there. It's going to be available. So we'll usually just bring like two days worth of diapers and then buy a small pack once we're there. Because really I find what makes travel with kids stressful oftentimes is just the amount of stuff and trying to navigate around a new city with three suitcases and a pack and play and you know, all of this stuff can make it really stressful. Whereas if you just bring what you can carry and what you can bring on public transportation or put in a taxi, um, that sort of thing is going to make travel feel a lot less stressful. So just bring what you need to get through four or five days. You can always find places to do laundry too. We dropped off our laundry at random laundry places in um, Southeast Asia and, you know, all over the place. And you can always wash your laundry and rewear stuff bring, bring a lot of versatile clothes, that sort of thing. So definitely packing light is one way we've learned to simplify 
and make traveling with kids a lot easier. And then another thing we try to simplify is our kids' schedule. We're not, which I think is partially a personality thing, we're not really big on having strict schedules for our kids. Um, so they, they do they have a wake up time in the morning. They have to wake up, they have to stay in their rooms until 745, but their nap time is pretty loose. They'll go down anytime between like noon and three or four in the afternoon. And then when they go down, they know to sleep for an hour or two and then wake up. Um, the same thing at night, they'll go down to bed anytime between like eight and 1030. Like we've never been super strict about it, which I think when you're traveling just makes it a lot easier for, for them to adjust to, to new, to new, um, routines. Instead of having strict times, we just have before bed, we'll read a book and no matter where we are, we'll read a book or um, no matter where we are, we'll change into pajamas. So those sorts of things are more of how we schedule versus having um, strict times for things, if that makes sense. So yeah, bringing yeah. less stuff and trying not to be super strict on scheduling when you're traveling. And one thing I did early on with our kids was always try to take them out of the house at least once a week for their nap time so that they would just get used to not always napping in their cribs. So they'll nap in the car seat or they'll nap in the stroller. And I think that helped too. When we were traveling, you can't, or at least we don't want to go back to the hotel every day and waste mm -hmm. two hours of our day napping. So they can kind of be trained to nap anywhere, which I know is more difficult with, with some kids. But I found that starting early and kind of setting that precedent helped with our kids being pretty flexible, they'll kind of nap anywhere, anytime, whenever they're tired, just fall asleep. I love that you bring that up because I think honestly, like my husband and I, we get so intimidated to travel internationally with our son. And that's one of the main reasons is like just the time change, even for ourselves can be so hard. And it's like, how do you handle that as a kid? I know when mm -hmm. we first got married, one of the things we agreed to do was every other year travel internationally. So we try to travel, like do a big stateside trip. And then the next year we'll go somewhere international. And before having our son, it was so fun. You know, with my work, I was in India for a month and we did Ireland and all kinds of just really fun international trips. But it's almost like now that we have a two-year-old, it's like, did we make this like really naive promise to each other that we're going to travel international? Because it's like really intimidating. So mm -hmm. you've shared some good tips on like simplifying and trying to keep, you know, the schedule really flexible. But do you have any other like tips and tricks for flying or traveling international or even just with that time change? I know when we were in India, that about killed us and we were adults. I can't imagine doing that with a kid. <laughs> yeah, it can be, it can be rough. I think we always try to take, um, the overnight flights when we can. And I know different parents have different opinions on that. Some try to avoid red eye flights and others try to take them, but we always try to take the red eye flights because it makes it easier if our kids sleep for at least half the flight, we're not stuck entertaining them for 14 hours. We're only stuck entertaining them for seven hours. Um, so we always try to take the red eye flight. And then I found that by the time we get there, I mean, even if they sleep some on the plane, they're not sleeping nearly as much as they would be on a normal night. So they're pretty dead tired by the time we get there. And then we just do our best to keep them awake as much as possible that day, like let them maybe sleep for an hour, but then wake them back up. Even if they're grumpy, just try to keep them awake as long as possible to get them as close to bedtime and whatever time zone you're in. And then I found that generally our kids adjust within a day or two because they're just so tired. We wear them out so much that by the time we put them in bed, they'll just sleep no matter what. And I mean, we have to compromise certain things. Like maybe they'll 
when our son was two, he wasn't usually co-sleeping, but when we're traveling, he'll crawl into bed with us at like five o'clock in the morning and we'll just like snuggle for the last few hours of sleep, you know, so trying not to be those, those rules that you, you, you may have as a family might have to be a little more flexible when you're traveling. But I, I found generally time, I'm trying to think of the word, I can't think of the word, uh, jet lag. <laughs> jet lag hasn't been a huge issue for our kids. Like the first few days, they might wake up at four or 5 a.m., but generally by day two or three, they're, they're pretty well adjusted. But I would say if you're going to like, like when we, when we went to Southeast Asia, we tried to go for almost a month because we wanted to have a few days to kind of take it slow and adjust before we jumped into like hardcore touring around and having super long days. So if you're going to go really, really far, give yourself a few days of slow to, to let yourself and your kids adjust to it, but don't go too slow. Don't let them sleep all day because <laughs> <then laughs> they won't sleep at night. Um, if that makes sense. So yeah, that's what I would say as far as jet lag goes. And I think even in the times it's been hard, it's been worth it for us just because we enjoy traveling so much as a family that, the waking up early in the morning or having grumpy kids for a day or two is just, it's something that's worth it to us. It might not be worth it to everyone, but to us it is. And, and we found when we travel, we've, I guess we've only traveled without our kids internationally once since they were born, but the whole time we were there, even though it was fun and we enjoyed having that time, I think it was our fifth anniversary. We went to Italy. We enjoyed it, but the whole time we were like, we wish our kids were here. We wish they could do this with us. Oh, they would love this, you know? So kind of regretting that they weren't there at the same time. So we just, we love having the kids with us and have found it hasn't really made travel. It's made it more difficult, but it hasn't made it less enjoyable, if that makes sense. Mm, Totally. Totally. We did the same thing with our last trip, like the whole entire time we just talked about our son. And I was like, we have got to figure out a way so hearing you talk, it gets me excited. I feel like I, we just need to rip the Band-Aid and just figure out the trip and book it and just, you know, go with the flow and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. I think if you're flexible, just have, you know, expect that it's not going to be uh, uh, super easy all of the time. I think definitely it's not going to be as relaxing as a vacation with just you or just you and your spouse. But as long as you go into it with a flexible mindset and kind of setting those expectations... I think it can still be a really great experience. So one thing that I have noticed about your family, just sort of watching y'all on so, on social media, is how you have just jumped into your life and your goals for your family, like your personal goals and for for travel and for, you know, what you guys are passionate about. I just love that you haven't let having a family be a stumbling block for that because I feel like that's a very common um, mindset that people have where it's like, well, I better get as much living in as I can before we start having kids because, you know, at that point we're jumping into a whole new, a whole new stage and a whole new lifestyle. And I just don't think that that's the way it has to be. So what would you say to someone that, believes having a family is going to limit their freedom to travel or even just achieving their own personal goals. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I've seen so many of those articles going around like 20 things to do before you have kids and you know, all those, they're always like travel to every continent. And I'm like, well, why do you have to do that before you have kids? You can do it after you have kids too. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think, I think, for me, having kids and having a family has motivated me to reach my goals and be be a better person, get more done during the day and not 
not the opposite. I, I'm such a strong believer in the saying, um, I think it, I don't know if this is actually the saying, but the more you have to do, the more you get done. Like no matter how much I have going on, no matter how full my plate is between, you know, maybe in graduate school, working full time, having two kids, I still find time to waste on social media and binging Netflix shows. So I'm like, I feel like no matter how much you have to do, you'll still find free time, find time to waste and you'll find a way to get everything done. So I think, I think the more, the more you have on your plate and having kids there to, to motivate you to, to reach your goals. And I think having a spouse that's supportive too is, is something that's been really important and having someone who's willing to like support you, do the dishes, help with the kids, you know, that sort of thing um, has been really helpful too. But if you have a supportive spouse, I think there's nothing to hold you back from having children and the family and still achieving your goals and, and traveling. And I think specifically as far as traveling, I mean, like I mentioned before, we love traveling individually and as a couple, but we find it even more enjoyable with our kids. We have, um, I just, I love seeing the joy that travel, travel brings them. And, but just like the different experiences, how it, you know, makes them be flexible and meet new people and see new things. I think all of those things do affect and shape him as a person. And especially now that they're getting older, experiencing different cultures and peoples and lifestyles. I just love seeing how it, how it impacts them and shapes them and will hopefully, you know, broaden their horizons and, and make them more flexible, loving human beings. So I, I think, I mean, obviously there is the financial aspect of it traveling. Now we have to buy four tickets, which I loved when my kids were under two, it was the best because they were free. And <laughs> um, so we traveled a ton before my son turned two. But now my son and my daughter are both over two, so we have to buy four tickets anywhere you go. But we try to keep an eye out for deals. I mean, we found tickets, especially, I guess it's probably easier on the East Coast, but from the East Coast, you can find trips to Europe frequently under $300 round trip. So you just look out for those deals and try to go where you can, when you can. And right now, hotels are super cheap because of COVID. So if you're willing to travel now, um, it's a good time to get some deals. <laughs> Maybe take your kids on a trip for once. But yeah, I mean, the, the financial aspect can definitely be um, a, a hamper for some families, but we found often in some ways, international travel can be even cheaper than traveling domestically as far as hotels and food and that sort of thing. I mean, flying to Southeast Asia wasn't cheap, but once we were there, we were spending, I think probably 10 to $20 a day on food and our hotels were about $30 a night. Whereas we could have taken a trip to Orlando and the flights might have been cheaper, but then we'd be spending 300 a night on a hotel and 100 or more a day on food. So it just kind of, when you budget out all of those things, some international destinations can actually be pretty, pretty budget friendly. So something to consider there as well. And that's great because I feel like that is a huge stumbling block for people just mentally. I know it is for me because I'm just thinking, oh man, we could never afford that. But it's so good to hear that, you know, if you really look at it, it can kind of even out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think we've been blessed too. I mean, uh, my, my job before this job, I worked for a, a nonprofit based in Spain. So we'd go over to Europe once or twice a year for that. And we'd kind of just tack on like a layover. So that really helped with the financial aspect of it for us. And my current job also has some travel involved in it. So that kind of helps get us, encourages us to get out of the country. But we've also taken trips independently just when we see cheap flights somewhere, we'll be like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and another thing we do, which not everyone might be comfortable with is we often Airbnb our house or our apartment while we're gone. So we'll Airbnb our house 
and then that'll cover our hotel where we're going, which it can be complicated with different HOAs and stuff like that. But if you have the ability and you're comfortable with that, that's an option too. Yeah, that's great. This is a great idea. One thing we love to ask everyone that we interview and kind of talk with, and this can be totally random, so it does not have to be related to travel or kids or anything, but we always just like to see what is something that you are loving right now. This is so random, but I'm pregnant, so I have a justification, but what I'm loving right now is hash browns and eggs for breakfast with so much Cholula on it. I've literally had it every single day for breakfast for the last like three months. And prior to that, I don't think I've ever made myself hash browns for breakfast, but I'm obsessed. Every single morning, I fry myself up some hash browns with two eggs and Cholula. And I don't know, I've just really been loving it lately. (laughs) And I'm not even usually a big spicy food person, especially for breakfast. So it's very random, but yeah, hash browns and eggs with Cholula. There's nothing wrong with that. I love that you (laughs) said that as your answer. That's so fitting for you. Elizabeth, did you have anything random that you craved when you were pregnant? Any kind of food that you just loved? I'm like throwing this at you. I'm thinking back on like my most recent pregnancy because that's what is standing out in my head because, you know, the rest of them is just, it's just a big wash. (laughs) Um, Ancient history. Yes. Tomatoes. Tomatoes. Yeah. I would like chop a tomato up and put salt and pepper on it. And I, I literally ate that almost every day. So weird. I mean, I like tomatoes like all the time, but <laughs> it was that it was another level. It was a whole other level. So I don't know what that says about like the gender prediction or anything. Cause I'm trying to think back on if there was any like connections with my past pregnancies. So do you think that this is giving you any clues about the gender your spicy, your spicy food? No, I feel like I, I mean, I don't, similar to you, I don't really remember what my cravings were with my other kids. I don't remember eating anything, you know, that specific. So not really, unfortunately. Not that I, I really what, trust most of those predictions anyway. Right. <laughs> I'm a skeptic. I know with my son, I, instead of cravings, I had really bad aversions Mm. So like I hated the smell of bacon and I hated anything with bacon. So my poor husband couldn't have any bacon. Like that would just set me off. Was but it I don't think pregnancy? I ever really craved anything. It was the whole pregnancy. Oh, bacon, wow. just meat in general was like bad. bad, hmm. bad. Yeah. It's for so the first fun. trimester, I hate the smell of coffee and I hate the smell of bacon. Mm. But just for the first trimester, thankfully, because I love coffee and bacon. So. <laughs> Need them back in my life. Another thing we're going to tag on the end here is we're going to ask you a random question so that you didn't get a chance to kind of think through. So oh my, my random question is what is, what comes to mind as the craziest experience you've had with kids while traveling? Like one of those moments where you're just like, are you kidding me? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Cause I mean, I've had those moments and like we road trip 10 hours to see my family. So, you know, it's really, it's really not. <laughs> It's not anything extreme, but uh, the first thing that comes to mind is when we were in India in, I'm really bad with remembering names of places, but I'm pretty sure we were in Jaipur where they have the, um, the red, oh, I can't remember. It's not the red temple cause it's not a temple, but it's like this red building that's really famous there. And we were at a cafe across the street eating on the rooftop and, um, 
there was no changing table, obviously in the bathroom. I'm not even sure there was a bathroom. So I just went over to like the side of the rooftop where there wasn't anything and put a blanket on the floor and changed my daughter's diaper, just like on this random rooftop across from the, (laughs) um, now it's really going to bother me. I think it was called Hawa Mahal. I don't know why, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was called, but this red building, um, that's really well known in that in Jaipur. So yeah, I was just kind of like on the rooftop on my kid on the floor, on this blanket, changing their diaper. And it's just, <laughs> I think my husband took a video of it. It's just like one of those funny things we look back on and we're like, that's just so probably not sanitary, but <laughs> the kind of things, the kind of things you have to do. I feel like definitely you can't be a germaphobe and travel with kids mm. very easily anyway. Cause there are a lot of experiences where you'll be stuck in situations where you have to kind of do things out of the ordinary, let your kids just sit on the floor in random train stations and that sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, lots of experiences like that. So funny. Well, my question actually tags on to exactly what you just said. So you brought up germs and I know earlier you brought up COVID and if you're fine traveling with COVID with things being cheaper right now, do you guys have an upcoming trip planned or have you talked through as a family when you will be comfortable traveling again? Yeah. So I really want to go to the Caribbean. I have been dying to go to the beach. We went to um, Chincoteague and Assateague, which is just like three hours away from DC last week. And that kind of spurred me to be like, I need more beach in my life. So flights are really cheap to Aruba right now. And the hotels there are much cheaper than usual. The problem is we can only really go for the four weeks after our daughter is born before my son, he's starting this homeschool hybrid program three days a week Mm -hmm. and they're starting um, the third week of August. So it really only gives us four weeks to go before his school starts. And I'm not sure, especially right now, the passport office is apparently really backed up. So I'm not sure we'll be able to get our baby's passport soon enough to go on that trip while I'm on maternity leave and my son's still on summer break. So we're hoping to make that work. We're kind of playing it by ear to see if they open back up expedited passport processing. But if the prices stay low and they do open back up expedited passport processing for non-life-threatening emergencies, and I'm not sure my trip to Aruba is a life-threatening emergency, (laughs) (laughs) um, then we're going to try to possibly do that. And then our other big family trip is we're going to um, Chile and Argentina in January and probably going to spend about two weeks down there, hopefully, give or take, and do Patagonia, hiking, probably not camping with the three kids and a six-month-old, but uh, (laughs) trying to do some hiking and just hanging out and seeing that part of the country, part of the world. I've never been to um, Latin America, actually, so I'm really excited. How fun. Those sound like awesome trips. Oh my goodness. Yes. So fun. Well, I have loved that you carved out some time to chat with us and share your, your heart about traveling and having a family and just not letting any of that, you know, stand in the way of your dreams and what you want your family to look like. I just love that. And we're just so grateful that you joined us today. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you and I love the, um, I feel like simplicity is such an important thing when you're traveling with family and and kid, young kids, just having that kind of simple, simple mindset that um, you really don't need to bring that much or you don't need to have a perfect trip, um, but just go have a fun trip with your family and make awesome memories no matter what. So love it. Yeah. I love that. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you so much. And you guys have a great day. Thanks. Thanks. Bye.